Hey, it's Anna, and our episode today is something different. We did an experiment last week, a live call-in radio show on Facebook Live. I was in Nashville with two of my favorite musicians and former guests on the show, Jason Isbell and Amanda Shires. And we took calls from you, listeners, for over an hour. You called in with your stories and questions about breakups, addiction, death, and making music. And reminder, when you hear the phone number coming up, don't call now. This already happened, so no one will pick up. It was really fun to do, and just like the last time they were on the show, Jason and Amanda were totally game. This is Death, Sex, and Money. Look, I'm not going to discuss my private life with total strangers. The show from WNYC about the things we think about a lot. They would be murder. And need to talk about more. Seriously, how much money you make? I told you. I'm Anna Sale. Hello, Jason and Amanda. Hey there, Anna. Hi. I'm so glad to be here with you in studio. It's so fun. You heard Jason and Amanda's story, their love story, on one of the very first episodes of our show on Death, Sex, and Money. We recorded it even before the show launched, almost three years ago, and they have been busy since. They've both put out new albums. Amanda's album, My Piece of Land, came out last year. Jason's album, Something More Than Free, came out in 2015 and topped both the rock and country charts. And Jason and Amanda have had a daughter, Mercy. She's one and a half now. I want to hear about all of this, and I also want to hear from you, other Death, Sex, and Money listeners. We are taking your calls live this hour. Again, the phone number, 800-543-2543, 800-543-2543. And here's the reason we're doing this. We just put out this episode about breakups a few weeks ago. Hundreds and hundreds of you sent in stories about your breakups, and your stories kept coming even after the episode was out. You also added to this breakup survival kit that we've been building together in a Google spreadsheet. The link's on our website at deathsexmoney.org. Now, Jason and Amanda, you two are not recent experts on breakups. Not recent, but, you know, it's always somewhat recent. Oh, well, let me ask you first. We So this breakup survival kit that we built, we asked people what songs, what movies, what books got them through those darkest hours of heartbreak. Is there something you all would recommend? I recommend Leonard Cohen for all things uh, prescription. Oh. Yeah, that's a good idea. It's weird how songs that are really sad, you know, they make you sad or they make you sort of tunnel into your own uh, emotions when you're having a breakup like that. So, yeah, sad songs really do a lot for that. Um, But uh, there's a Ray LaMontagne song um, called Lesson Learned that is my very favorite Ray LaMontagne song. And I think it's it's a great breakup song. Really, really great. In the Willie Nelson song that... uh, Angel Flying Too Close to the Ground. No, no. That's a good one. The one about... um, Remember Me? No. On the road again? No. Oh. <laughs> oh, no. I'll, I'll think of it to myself. It'll, it'll come. Um. <laughs> now, you've been married for four years now, but I remember when I talked to you before, something that really struck me is that, like, if I were in a hard moment in life, I would want you two in my corner because there's something about the way you speak and also how much your music comes from this deep place of compassion. Um, I want to play a quick piece of tape from that first episode with you, Jason and Amanda. Jason, this is you talking about why you've chosen to be so open about your struggle with addiction, recovery, and navigating marriage and family. Let's listen to that. 
There might be some dude that thinks he's unlovable somewhere that's drunk and, you know, laying in his own piss and thinking, boy, that pretty girl that lives next door will never have anything to do with me. And that's not always true, you know. Yeah, if it causes people to come to us or even to just think in the back of their mind, you know, that, that there's some kind of connection, then it's worth telling your secrets. You know, Jason, after that episode came out, we got an email from a guy who seemed like he was in that place laying there in his own piss. Yeah. Waiting for for that vision of something that could be different. I've been that guy, that's for sure. Hell, I've laid there in somebody else's piss. You know, I've been I've been I've been in as probably as low as I can think of. I mean, it could have been worse, could have gotten worse, but I couldn't have done myself any dirtier than I did. I I, I did my best to shoot myself in the foot, um, so I didn't have to be drafted into life. You know, um, drafted into life. What do you mean? Well, I mean, uh, um, you know how how like in Vietnam. People would shoot themselves in the foot so they didn't have to go to war. I, I think I was kind of shooting myself in the foot in the foot because I was afraid of having to live just in everyday life with with normal people and and communicate with them. You know, uh, it was a, it was really the isolation of it all was a big deal for me. It's like if I keep screwing up, I, I'm going to be left alone. Thank God. And then, <laughs> and then I got what I what I wished for, and it turned out to be terrible. And and you know that's not the kind of beings that we are. We're not designed to to be isolated like that. And I still fight that part. Um, you know, I, I still would most of the time rather not come out of the house unless I absolutely have to. So I still have to make myself uh, um, socialize and and reach out. Uh, but I think that's a continuing battle. Well, we're so glad you did and, and that you got a babysitter during when your your rare times when you're not on the road, the two of you. Thank you for being no here. No problem. And I thought of this song. It's You Are Always On My Mind. Oh, oh yes. yes. Of what course. a great song. What a great yeah. song that is. Let's take our first caller. This is Rebecca in Alaska who first wrote into the show because she's had a series of breakups with the same guy. Rebecca, are you there? I am here. Hey. Hi, Rebecca. What did you want to ask Jason and Amanda about? Well, I was listening to the uh, initial interview, and um, I was interested by what Amanda said about her nervousness about having a baby and how that would change uh, maybe her relationship with her her music and and uh, what that meant for their roles in their marriage. And I was wondering what has changed. I know they said they weren't competitive, and um, I was just interested in their roles of maybe a little competition and encouragement there. I think as competitive, I think that together we're competitive, but for the other person, like I, I, I sometimes will, um, if Jason's, you know, writing or doing something I, and I, I think he can do better. It's I'm trying to make him be more competitive with himself, I guess. I feel like we do that often. Um, and then as far as a baby, changing everything it does but um during the time when I was um, pregnant with her I thought it was going to change things so much so that I was going to lose my identity or have to struggle with how to be a mom and a musician and all that stuff and I think the um the not knowing a lot of other people's stories made me feel more nervous about it than I should be because it's all fine. It's like all okay. You can do whatever you want to do and have a baby. It's just <laughs> it's a lot of logistics. Yeah, exactly. Involved in it, uh, and um, you know, everything in life, every decision is is a little bit heavier, and you feel a lot guiltier. But it's worth it. Yeah, I don't think if I can if I can 
uh, speak on this a little bit. I don't think it's changed uh, the person that uh, married. Um, I think she's definitely still the same person. She's just a lot busier. You know, there's a lot. There's a lot that goes into uh, maintaining that identity and, and the time it takes to to develop yourself at the same rate that you were developing yourself before the baby came along. But uh, I don't think she lost who she was at all. What do you think about competitiveness? Oh, the competitiveness. Yeah, yeah. We we're probably more competitive now mm-hmm. on at, at different things. You mm-hmm. know, we're still not we're not competitive in the, in the sense that you know, ooh, who sold more records this month? And we'll never be that way. Yeah. We'll never be that kind of competitive because I don't think there's anything in there that would help us. But we are competitive to see who can, you know, scramble the best eggs, for, you know, who can get the baby to eat the weirdest <laughs> food that's healthy for her. You know, and there's little things all day. It's like who can get her to sleep the quickest has been a big one oh. uh, for the last couple of weeks. It also makes a very little sense to be competitive when you're deal- <clears throat> still having to deal with gender issues. Um yeah, you know, there's, there's no level present, playing field. You know, no, so it's pointless to compete. And Rebecca, to the extent that you, you're comfortable sharing, is there something going on in your life why you're wondering about this particular question? Well, I was with the same person for so long, and um, we had such a series of arguments and issues. And um, when we first were together, we were both very artistic, and um, over the years, he's sort of gone in a different direction and and now he's in a career path that really doesn't facilitate um, any creativity. And I've gone completely the opposite direction. And I think that something that um, really contributed to um, driving us apart is not being able to bond there and share that. And um, I think there was some jealousy there um, on his part. And then on my part that I, you know, I didn't have, you know, my life together and that he wasn't being creative. So I'm always interested in in people that are artists and they're together and how they balance and like what would happen if one of them decided not to continue in that art. For us, I feel like um, that happiness is um, the most important thing. And you're for the most part in control of your own happiness and you can't let um, you can't be you can't be responsible for your partner's happiness. They have to, I mean, you can help them, but you can't, you, you know, it's a, that's too much. Yeah. You I don't, can, you can say that better than me. I bet. You can sure as hell make them sad, but you can't make them happy. Yeah. So <laughs> you got to make yourself happy first and be the truest self you can before you can even try and be happy in a relationship. Yeah. Yeah. And this is the success part of it that I don't think, uh, Success as far as like financial success or, or 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 success in a career, I don't think that ever makes anybody happy. I, th- I think um, success in the present is what makes you happy. If if you're currently doing something you enjoy, it's going to make you happy. And if you do that tomorrow, then tomorrow you're going to be happy. And uh, I think that's you know that's I think that's something that really you should focus on what, uh, and and find somebody that that encourages that that understands that you need to do uh, what you're spirit wants you to do like not what other people expect of you yeah yeah that rebecca thank you so much for your call and best of luck to you our next caller eric in martinsburg west virginia hey mountaineer you there eric hello how you doing hello man hi hey eric thanks for calling in from the mountain state hey uh, what's your question for jason and amanda well it's kind of a two-part question uh kind of the same question to both of them um, Jason, when you, or Amanda, when you hear uh, Jason sing Flagship, 
uh, which uh, line hit you the hardest on an emotional level? And the same question uh, for you, Jason, when Amanda's uh, performing My Piece of Land, uh, both of those songs are kind of about your each other and your relationship, and they're just such beautiful songs. I was wondering what, what line in particular strikes you guys the hardest emotionally. Well, that's a good question, Eric. Now, Flagship is off of Jason's last album, My Piece of Land. It's the album title of, of Amanda's last album. Amanda, what, when you hear that song, Flagship, what hits you? Um, the chorus first, but then I guess my favorite one is is all of it because it's true. But the mo- the truest one, and, and I know it's true, is that if something were to happen, he would cancel all the plans he ever had to make. Yeah. That, that one's tough because... Like, when I recorded that song, she was sitting next to me in the studio, and um, so now I don't play it unless she's there. So now I never, you know, and, and still we get teared up on stage. It's, it's silly. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think you're supposed to do that sometimes, but I expected it to stop at some point, but it didn't. Um, yeah, so that's special time. That song is a special time. Can I can I read my favorite verse from that song? you got to try and keep yourself naive in spite of all the evidence believed and volunteer to lose touch with the world and focus on one solitary girl. I mean, there's so much in there. That's the that's the truism, you know. That That's the uh, punctuation in that song, I guess, that line. That's the one that had to happen exactly how it happened. You know, when you're writing a song, there's usually, to me, there's one line that's got to come out a certain way, and if it doesn't, you might as well just scrap it and start a different song. Um but I love what you say, volunteer to lose touch with the world as a way to describe a commitment to monogamy. Yeah, thank you. I mean, we, I think we all know that if you're, if you're really committed to anything, whether it be another person or, or learning a, a, how to play the pedal steel, you, you're going to have to like, you got to lock yourself in a room, uh, so to speak, with, with that person for a good long while and, and not be distracted, not, not, you know, not spend too much time, uh, um, with the outside temptations. And Eric's question for you, Jason. Yes. Uh, I do like that she says I'm, I'm 6'1 on that song because that's been contested. <laughs> <laughs> How romantic. Yes. Uh, I, well, I'm a man, so, you know, Jason's very tall. Jason's favorite thing to do to me when we're about my songs is to tease me about my songs. So the first thing he did was said, I know you're singing this to our house. Yeah, just imagine. <laughs> Imagine you're standing your in front of our house and singing See, to the house. He, he, he won't. He won't get so deep. Like, no, <laughs> I will. I certainly will. I certainly will. Um, you know what we were going through at that point in time. Uh, all these really good things were happening, you know, and uh, and we were discussing, uh, um, you know, moving and 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 moving on from a certain part of our lives, and and you know, the baby coming along, and and. Uh, I think that song does a really good job of of outlining what you need, you know, or, or what she needed in that situation, which also happens to be what I need uh, to remain the same person through big changes. Even when they're good changes, you lose a sense of self unless you have somebody there who, who in some ways, knew you before and, and, and knows your heart, and, and that's where you feel like your home is. So, you know, when when she says walls are just walls, that makes a lot of sense to me because, yeah, you can 
you know, she's speaking to something greater than that. She's saying no matter, you know, how far this goes and no matter how big the house gets and no matter how successful we get creatively or in any other way, um, it's still us and we're still the same people who lived in a duplex, you know, a few years ago and, and had to deal with the neighbors being loud because we shared a wall with them. I like the way that she handled that, that, that you know, we've always lived right here, you know. Thanks for your call, Eric. We are taking your calls. The phone number is 800-543-2543. This is a live Death, Sex, and Money call-in special with Jason Isbell and Amanda Shires. Allie in Columbus, Ohio, what's your question for Amanda and Jason? Hi, Anna. Um, It's more of a comment and a thank you, I guess. Uh, My breakup story is um, breaking up with my dad Um, after grown up with him as an alcoholic and through Jason's music, specifically Southeastern to start out, um, I, I found myself having a real sense of empathy for him and what maybe he was going through and struggling with. And my heart opened up to him and, uh, uh, it was life changing and we were able to reconnect recently. And, uh, you know, I've just, really accepted him for who he is. He hasn't really changed, so to speak, but um, my understanding and empathy for him has changed, and so I just wanted to thank him for that. Well, you're welcome. Um, You know, for any part that any of my work might have played in helping you empathize with somebody you've probably always been close to in a lot of ways, but, you know, the the thing is you had to be braver than most people are uh, to do that because... Most people don't want to mess up their lives enough to to offer somebody else a, a way to get back in. So, you know, congratulations on uh, forgiving somebody of certain things and, you know, maybe still understanding the limitations. Yeah, it's just, it's it's freeing. And uh, I feel grateful to, um, you know, I was a daddy's girl for sure. So I feel yeah. grateful to have that back. And, and uh, just being, you being open and sharing that, um, how it felt to be you um, helped me understand him. So it's a gift, and, Good. you know, I really appreciate it. Well, thank you. That That's really the reason that, you know, the reason that we do what we do. So thank you very much. Thanks, Thanks for your call, Allie. And, and Jason, I have a follow-up on that. Have you, your five years sober, has part of that five years involved going back to people with whom you had relationships that you harmed because of your addiction? Or has that... Have you sort of kind of moved past and are living a different life and haven't needed to revisit that? Um, there's some of both. I've definitely, yeah, I've definitely had to address some of the things that I did when I was uh, uh, under the influence of my own ridiculous ego, among other things, you know. Um, uh, yeah. I, you did that early on, though. I did that early on. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't necessarily go through the 12-step program uh, exactly as it's prescribed, but I did there were parts of making amends that I definitely felt needed to be done. And uh, uh, so I did that, um, you know, when I felt like it, it could be done without harming that person, because sometimes when you reach out to that person, it turns out to not be the best idea. So you have to sit down and think, should I just leave this this guy alone or should I call him up, you know? Um, so I have done some of that. But, man, it's everybody still underestimates addiction, you know, everybody, the addicts still do it, the family still do it, I still do it, and I'll do it until I die. It's stronger than anybody realizes that it is. And that's why you see, you know, walking uh, 
le- lessons, you know, from mm-hmm. from the big book. That's why cautionary some, tales. Yes, cautionary tales. That's why some people go from being addicted to a substance to being addicted to Alcoholics Anonymous. You know, because the addiction is it's bigger and stronger than anybody really realizes. There's something very very intense about about that. And watching, I can I can say that it doesn't. Um, five years doesn't mean that you're as far away as you could get, you know. It doesn't mean you're f- far away at all. From, it's five minutes. Know, exactly. Yeah. It's all the same. Yeah, it's five minutes. I, I haven't drank in five years, you know, and I quit smoking a month and a half ago. But, man, I'm just, I'm a heartbeat away from either one of them at all times. If you slip, if you, if you, you know, if you sleep on it, it can come back. And some people will never, ever get clean. Some people will never do it. And once you realize that, then you get to decide, how much you want them in your life or not, you know. That's hard. That's hard grown-up shit right there, but it's got to be done. We need to make a quit-smoking survival kit, Jason. So can you have any <laughs> tips for that? That's smoking. a hard thing to do. That was a beast. That made me a terrible person for a couple of weeks there, but I didn't use any kind of nicotine, you know, no gum or no vapes or anything like that. And uh, so, yeah, sorry. Sorry, Amanda. Sorry, world. Amanda, was that when he was on the road, or were you, did you get to see oh, that no, close no, up? We <laughs> I think I think I don't even remember it now. I put it somewhere. <laughs> I put it in, in the closet somewhere. Love is knowing what to forget. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we have a call for you, a question for you, Amanda, from Adam in Chicago. Hi, Adam. Oh, hey, how you doing? Um, Good. Hi to both of you all. Uh, I guess my question would be to both of you now, really, when you look at stuff that, you know, you did, Jason, before you sobered up. Are you able to look at that, like if you see yourself back then, and appreciate the art of it and not see what you were in terms of like, oh, I'm a physical mess, oh, look, at I was drunk or whatever. And Amanda, can you do the same thing in terms of looking at that stuff, or do you just shut it out and say, well, that was a different part of my life? Are you asking if I look at his work differently? Yeah, well, like, even just seeing video, like, if you see video of Jason from before he sobered up, can you appreciate the art, or is it you see the person you know and go... You're like, do I do I still appreciate or do I cringe and be like, holy crap, why did that ever happen? Um, yeah. I appreciate it, and I think um, there always be, like, this sort of f- false romance with it, uh, that certain time of, I mean, just honestly, certain time in my life, you know. While it was, like, towards the end pretty awful, there were some beautiful times in there. So, And I also, I feel like I see Jason the way I've always seen him. She has to remind me that I had value then. Mm-hmm. She does that a lot. Oh, you know? no, you definitely did. I mean, that's the thing. Well, it's like, can you look at it and say, hey, I was writing great stuff and performing great, but I may have had a lot of issues, you know? Yeah, it's hard for me to do that sometimes. It is. And, and some of the songs, like the ones that we still play, uh, you know, when I hear myself singing them, I think, yeah, that's a great song. But just, you know, even bigger than the songs or bigger than the work that we were doing, it's hard for me to look back at that time and see myself as a as a valid person, as somebody who who, who was was worthy of love in any way. And, and really part of recovering is realizing that, that you weren't necessarily a beast before. You know, and so she she has to remind me of that a lot. Right. 
because it's easy right. to forget. You know, it's nice to think, you know, I'm awesome now, and I was terrible then, and <laughs> make it black and white so it is it, easier. It to also, deal with, it also but. like is is an insult to me because um, <laughs> yeah. I didn't. Think you married were, it, yeah, yeah. I didn't think you were so terrible. Don't then. you worry, acid wash jeans. <laughs> yeah, that's what I think is like worth remembering <laughs> is that you know you uh, you're remarking upon Amanda, you fell in love with Jason before he was clean, and you <laughs> helped him. You were alongside him. As so I can't was, look at that and say that was not a beautiful time in my life. It was. I mean, like with all things, you can't have the dark without the light or the light without the dark. And um, it was romantic. It was. It was definitely. Of it, were definitely yeah. it was romantic, you know. And the word romance has a lot of a lot of pain in it to me. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of hurt. Just as much hurt as there is beauty in that concept. But. Uh, Thanks for your call. I mean, I Adam. don't like some of my solos on those videos. But. Man, the funny, the funny thing is, the funny That's thing the way is, that makes you cringe. Yeah. 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 I remember funny. thinking I was nailing it, yeah, like exactly. every night. I remember going back and like I'm watching stuff now, and I, the, the the songs that I can remember singing, if something's on YouTube from like ten years ago, I'm like, man, I thought I was killing that, you know. <laughs> and then you're just sitting like, oh. yeah, like Hank Jr. in '89, yeah. you know. <laughs> <laughs> we are taking your calls with Amanda Shires and Jason Isbell. The phone number is 800-543-2543. Christina, are you there? I am. Hi, Christina. Thanks for calling in. What's your question for Jason and Amanda? Well, thanks so much for having me. Um, my question sort of goes back to the first time you were on the show, and it's more for Amanda. You talked about the the question of like whether to have a kid or when you were ready and it seemed like you were pretty far away at the time you were mm-hmm. expressing some concern that like Jason would ditch you mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> um tongue in cheek concern and uh it wasn't very long after that that you were expecting and i just wonder how you knew you were ready um i didn't and i think that i didn't know like even until she was born, really. Hmm. What do I think? I think I think um, hormones. There's a lot of those when you're pregnant too. So there are times that I was still thinking, "Oh my God, he's going to leave me." Still, and I don't know. You know, those are those are silly things to think. And I know, but I just try not to lie that I didn't think those things or don't on occasion like lose a lot of sleep and think you know dark things. But for ninety nine percent of the day, I don't think like that I'm, i'd like to think that i'm more um you know mentally stable <laughs> <laughs> and how has it changed your creative life amanda how does being a parent change the way that you think about touring change the way you think about what your priorities are um, how do you talk about jason with who makes which compromises there's so there's a lot of layers to that yeah this is the world right now for be, us the um in some ways i feel like i'm i can make decisions quickly um, just because I need to get, make a decision and get on to something else. And um, I think that in um, writing, it's um, where I thought I was observant before. I really think she's given me a, another pair of eyes to see through, like um, even so much as um, like walking through the door, I saw shadows. But like now I walk through a door and I might see... Um, the shape of the shadows and notice what the shape is. And then I also see all these dangerous things like outlets uncovered and, <laughs> and oh, watch out, so maybe you knock over your coffee, you know. And um, and then, you know, logistic, logistics are one thing, and um, that was a lot easier when 
she wasn't with us, but um, uh, but it's worth it, you know. It's just like it's just trying to find figure out the an extra piece. I don't know how to explain it. Help me out. I know you know what I mean. It's it's a lot of work, but we were doing a lot of work before, just mm-hmm. not getting as much out of it. Yeah. I think. I mean. You but know, also, we just watch less Netflix. It's not <laughs> really that big a deal. It's not that big a sacrifice. But we're very fortunate. Very for for me, it's it, there's a lot of uh, work on perspective that I do. You know, and uh, um, like like my friend Will uh, Welch was saying to me on the phone last night. Camera one, camera two. You know, when all else fails, just do camera one, camera two, camera hmm. one, camera two. And well, it I is like that. It, yeah, me too. He's a smart dude. But it's. Um, you know, for me, it's it's looking at our situation, and when when I'm having a tough day, and I'm like, you know, because I try to participate with all of it. Like as soon as as soon as she was no longer breastfeeding, I try to make sure anything else, if it's calling them uh, babysitters, if it's uh, giving the baby a bath, if it's you know feeding her breakfast in the morning, whatever it is, I want to be able to do it, and I want to do it as much as Amanda does it, you know, uh, if at all possible. But also, our lives are a lot easier than a lot of people. There's a lot of people who are you know, uh, trying to raise a kid on a much smaller budget. And, and for us, you know, the logistics are always made easier when you can afford, uh, you know, certain things like a tour but bus to take the baby on when you go on tour. some people also have, like, their families around to help. And we don't really – we live so far away, you know. Yeah, my family's a couple hours away, so they're, they're helpful. But her family's in Texas, and, and uh, you know, that's the moon, really, to, to anywhere else. <laughs> It's a beautiful moon, but it is a moon. But you know, it's 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 easier for us than it is for most people. But that it, there's still a lot of challenges. Oh. And it, it, it expands your your um, Impro- ability improvisational to be, abilities. You, no, your ability to truly understand empathy too, because you like I always say, I say that guy is somebody's baby. Yeah, you know? that one. As soon as she as soon as she had mercy, or even really before that, she started thinking of 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 grown people, how they were when they were, you know, little babies. And it's like, it's hard to really just blindly hate somebody's guts when, you know, no matter what kind of mood you're in, if you think of them as somebody's child, you know. You're listening to Death, Sex, and Money's live call-in with Jason Isbell and Amanda Shires. We have lots of calls coming in. It's awesome. The phone number is 800-543-2543. We're going to be doing this for about another half an hour or so, so stay with us. Actually, don't call right now. This already happened. Is it a commercial? It's like just a little break. Groovy. I You're like doing it. Good. Again, this was an experiment. Tell us what you think about the format. I like getting to talk to you live and seeing you comment along in real time. Like Francesca wrote, I can't call because I live in Switzerland. Or Ruth Kerr Hamilton wrote, listening in Northern Ireland. But it didn't work for everyone. Darby Lyons commented, darn it, trying to watch before leaving work, but school blocks Facebook video. Hi, you two. As always, let us know what you think by emailing deathsexmoney at wnyc.org. And if you liked it, tell us what you think our next Colin should be about and who should be our guest. Also, we've posted a playlist on our website of all the songs Jason and Amanda mention in this episode. Flagship, the song Jason wrote about Amanda. Amanda's song, You Are My Home, where she mentions Jason is six foot one. There's also the Ray LaMontagne song that Jason said he'd add to the breakup survival kit. And the four Willie Nelson songs we mentioned in the first few minutes. They're all there at deathsexmoney.org. 
This episode is brought to you by Fail Better, David Duchovny's new podcast with Lemonada Media. On Fail Better, David, who has experienced both low and high-profile failures throughout his life, explores the vast world of failure, how it holds us back, propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives. Each week, he will chat with guests like Ben Stiller, Bette Midler, and more about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalysts for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, he hopes listeners can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out now wherever you get your podcasts. We have had a lot of exciting new things to share with you about the show recently, but this might be some of our biggest news yet. Death, Sex, and Money is officially going to be live in New York City at the Tribeca Festival on June 11th. And I want to personally invite you to the live taping we'll be doing with the legendary journalist Kara Swisher. If you know Kara's work, you know her ability to get people to tell her things is unmatched. And she does it in her signature, hard-charging way. She's not afraid of things getting a little combustible. I have a slightly different interview style, so we're going to talk about that and play around with that in experimental ways that I think will make this a special show unlike any of our other live shows up to this point. And it's not often that I get to do a live Death, Sex, and Money show in New York, so I really hope to see you there. Whether you're in the city, on the East Coast, or just been looking for a reason to visit New York City, come on June 11th for this show. You can get tickets now at TribecaFilm.com slash Death, Sex, Money. We are so excited to see you there. I'm Shankar Vedantam, here to tell you about a great mystery. That mystery is you. As the host of a podcast called Hidden Brain, I explore big questions about what it means to be human. Questions like, where do our emotions come from? Why do so many of us feel overwhelmed by modern life? How can we better understand the people around us? Discover your hidden brain. Find us wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Anna Sale, and this is the live Death, Sex, and Money call-in special with Jason Isbell and Amanda Shires. We've got calls coming in. The phone number is 800-543-2543. Call with questions for Jason and Amanda. Call with a story about a breakup or hard times, and we'll talk about how we got through. I want to play a message that we got from a Death, Sex, and Money listener named Gigi from Baltimore. She wanted to uh, talk about her breakup. If you break up with someone and you're hurting and all you do is, you know, keep thinking about the previous relationship and and where it failed and how you could have done better. I mean, a lot of people have a tendency to kind of throw themselves into what we call rebound relationships with other people. You miss the person you were with. You miss the human connection. But at the same time, I don't think it's fair. That's Gigi from Baltimore with a message about how to avoid rebounding. And Jason, when I heard that, I, I thought about some a way you identified yourself the last time you talked. You said you were a serial philanderer in a past life. Uh-huh. Um, your words. <laughs> <laughs> Not mine. But I, I wonder how you think about, like, that time in your life. And it, it wasn't even sure rebounding. I said a past life. Uh, like, <laughs> you did. Uh, you did. past it, it, year. It, it, 
how did you think about rebounding or not? Re- w- w- is that what you think was going on or was it something else? Oh, no, it was something else. It was something much deeper to me than that. I mean, and by deeper, I mean something that had happened long before I started getting into anything resembling an adult relationship with anybody. Um, yeah, I was looking for something that you don't find that way um, by using people, you know. Um, and I, I had no real ability to, to be alone and, and deal with myself because I didn't care for myself much. So, you know, you don't want to just go to dinner every night with the person you hate the most in the world. Mm. <laughs> and, uh, so yeah, I had to, I had to figure out my own value, uh, to stop doing that. Um, cause it really was like, you know, I was filling up the wrong cup and, and, uh, the one that needed filling couldn't be filled by, uh, you know, having brief, uh, unpersonal, non-personal relationships with, with various people. Um, I'm now though, you know, uh, other than the people who got hurt, which I know there were some who got their feelings hurt and, uh, you know, I hurt my own feelings a time or two. Uh, but you know, I'm, I'm kind of glad that things happened the way they did because I don't have to look back and, and wonder what that was like, you know. Uh, there, there's not really any drug that I have to look back on and wonder what it feels like. And, and <laughs> there's not a whole lot of experiences that, that I've not had, uh, you know, that I care to have at this point. Um, so I'm glad that I, I can see that for what it is now. Um, but I'm much, much happier that, you know, I filled up the right cup finally. Mm. Lori is calling in from Ukiah, California. Lori, welcome to Death, Sex, and Money. Hi. Thank you very much, Anna. Hi, Jason and Amanda. Hi there, Lori. So, Jason, I have a question for you about God. And I I know that you were raised with faith, and I lost my husband last April. And um, he was very young. I lost him to cancer. I'll pray not to cry. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's okay if you do. Okay. Yeah, it's okay if you do. Okay. Um, I discovered your music after he passed, and 24 Frames just really called out to me. And it was just very obvious that, you know, God is like a pipe bomb, and I must have listened to your song over and over a thousand times. And... Um, a couple of other lines just really reached to me from you, you know, church bells are ringing for those that are easy to please, and, um, and the thought, you know, um, relatively easy when you talk about the brother going to church instead of drugs, my brother-in-law did that, and he's uh-huh. kind of a creep, and so I just want to know, I'm interested about your relationship with God and how you... Um, keep your faith when you have these experiences that have challenges that challenge you so much and um and you see it for what it is it seems like and you still have faith and so i'm just curious how you do that for me it's about not needing too many answers um you know i i i have accepted the fact that that i use uh faith and spirituality for my own purposes and uh long ago I accepted that, and and I thought, well, maybe I'm being a hypocrite, but I don't care because this is what I need God to be, so this is what he's going to be for me because I don't know anything else about it. There he is now, actually. (laughs) Um, I always thought he'd be a texter. Uh, You know, I just just went ahead and said, okay, I'm going to let him be what I need him to be because I don't know uh, anything else. And I've heard all these other... um, ideas about what God is and about what God should be and what role he should fill in your life. And 
you know, the best I can tell, they're all all the different uh, different ideas of God that I have heard. Um, you know, including John Lennon's, you know, which I think is a, a beautiful way to describe it. But uh, yeah. all the different ideas come down to basically the golden rule, and uh, and then after that, nobody knows exactly uh, what he is or what she is or what it is. So I just decided, okay, this is what I need God to be. Um, I don't need him to be a crutch, and uh, you know, I don't need him to be a leveler. I don't need him to communize us all. I just I need God to help sometimes, uh, to help me in Lennon's words, measure my pain, you know, and, and, uh, and I think that if, if I've turned out to be wrong about that and he's the Southern Baptist one that, uh, you know, they told me he was when I was a kid, then, you know, light me up, you know? <laughs> but, uh, but I don't. I don't think that's any farther off than anybody else is. Um, you know, I think if, if he can bring you or she can bring you some peace, then that's just fine. I think whatever brings you peace makes you happier, and when you're happier and more joyful, you become a better person. Lori, do you want to say anything to respond to that? I just want to say thank you very much. That's, um, I've always mostly thought that God was love, and that kind of sounds like what you said, and um, yeah. thank you so, so much, and, and thank you, Amanda, and I'm I'm going to be watching you in Anaheim in two weeks, and I'm super nice. grateful for that. So um, God bless you both. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you very Thank much. You. Thanks for your call, Lori. And Russ in Adairsville, Georgia, I want to bring you up on the line. Welcome to Death, Sex, and Money. Hey there. How are you? Good. What's your question for Amanda and Jason? Uh, well, hey, guys, I, I appreciate this, and uh, and uh, thanks for coming uh, around you know, a lot in the last 10 years. But my question is, you know, in the context of your writing, uh, you know, you've talked about um, in the past about, you know, having difficulties, you know, spending so much time with a significant other on the road. And then now at home when you're writing, you've also described that as, you know, you go your separate ways and you come back together and you kind of compare notes and things like that. And my question is, is do you ever, you know, whenever a song strikes you and you got to write it down right then, I mean, is it ever something that's been on your mind but you've not discussed it with Amanda first? Or, that's or vice a good versa? question. <laughs> you know, I mean, how do you, how do you, if it's something you think, well, wait, you know, is this going to hurt their feelings? Do I edit that or do I, you know, how do you approach that? What what do you think, honey? Go ahead. You go first with that one. I think that um, I I chose to be with somebody that um, writes and um, song rules. Song rules, man. (laughs) Pursues their art, you know. So I think when and I I I claim to be that myself. So I feel like um, that we we sort of have a similar way of thinking. I think as far as I can tell is is that. um, if it's true and honest, um, it's no rules. And if all your song is doing is hurting somebody's feelings, and you've got a shit song, on your hands. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I think that the real challenge is writing a good enough song to where you can tell the truth. And if mm-hmm. you tell the truth, and you're still in love with somebody, then it's going to come out like you're still in love with them. If you're, or you might hate a, yourself a little more. You might, which is sometimes what you need to be doing uh, if you're me. But, you know, no, never hate yourself. But what what I'm saying is if if, if the piece of art you're making is good enough, nobody can argue with it. Mm-hmm. No, it's not going to be too vicious because it's going to be mixed in with reality. There's going to be enough different emotions that are happening there. You know, it would be like saying Heart of Darkness is a sad book. 
You know, like people listen to songs. They say that song's too sad for me. It's like, well, don't I'm sure, you know? I guess you don't leave the house in the morning. Then you yeah. know, it, it's if it's good enough, it encapsulates life. You know, and sometimes life is super sad. And, and no, we don't ask each other. We just do. No, our thing. yeah. There's no no permission. Now we will ask our, uh, each other. Is this the best way I can say this? Or mm-hmm. you know, uh, uh, there's one song that I was working on recently that I really needed her perspective on and, and, and went to her and said, you have to help me write the song. And, and, you know, like we'll do that kind of stuff. But no, if, if your song is, is hurting somebody's feelings without giving them anything else, uh, then your song's not good enough, I think. Has there been a moment ever when either one of you are writing and you're discovering something that's coming up that you haven't talked about within your relationship that you kind of realize like, oh gosh, we need to have like a, we need to talk about this. You need to have a sit down. No, we usually have our sit downs like, you know, all day long. Immediately. Yeah. <laughs> Is that what you call them? Uh, sit downs, come to Jesus talks. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, it. we try to get those things done as quickly as possible and spend a lot of time trying to figure out when one needs to happen. Um, I think that's a key for me for for any good relationship that I'm in, whether it be for with a friend or with a coworker or, you know, relationship number one here. Um, you know, you, it's, it's like, this is a way that my, my dad always put it, you know, still, I'm sure still puts it, uh, haven't seen him today, but I bet he would put it that way today. <laughs> um, you know, when, when the dog pees in the floor, you can't wait to rub his nose in it. You know, you have to do it immediately or he's going to forget why he's getting his nose rubbed in the pee. And uh, I know that's kind of a brash, sort of hillbilly way of putting it. but It's you very know, evocative. It, it is. <laughs> but, you know, I, I mean, feel like we learned a lot about how to talk to each other. Um, and we had to learn how to do it. I think a lot of it we learned early on. Like, um, I hate to keep bringing up the old rehab topic, but there's a lot of valuable tools that mm-hmm. that came to us um, through that experience. And um, it felt like going through that and being as intimate as a person can be and dealing with, you know, I don't know, inner thoughts, inner feelings, all the stuff that's hard to deal with that we learned a lot. And there's really, we're fearless when we talk to each other. And I think we talk to each other and uh, face things with like, compassion i think or grace you know yeah like it doesn't come out perfectly when we're trying to say something sometimes it comes out awful it's not like a like a poem or a song where you have like all the time in the world to make it just right it's um it comes out ugly and messy and we kind of learn to i don't know sometimes it sounds like we hate each other for a second but but you have to learn to listen to the person that you're with in a different way than than you would listen to somebody else you know, so something that I say to her that I would probably not say to another person, she understands how to interpret that, and and it becomes its own language. Um, but man, we try to head it off at the pass, nip it in the bud, get to it as quickly as possible, because uh, nothing is, I don't think, as as erosive and is that a word? Erosive yeah. as as uh, resentment. Mm-hmm. I think that's or the worst. Corrosive. Corrosive. Yeah, but that would be something that corrodes. I'm talking about something that. Erode something that has the. But aren't corrosive agents erosive? No, 
No, mm-hmm. corrosive is, is, is something growing. So we do well, this daily. We, we'll have them. So we the first one the answer lost. since we this can't Google. We this, is the first one, this is the first one I'll have lost in probably four months. That's a lie. Yeah. That's we, a lie. We are taking your calls for Jason Isbell and Amanda Shires. The phone number is 800-543-2543. I want to go to Muhammad in Boston, Massachusetts. Muhammad, welcome to Death, Sex, and Money. Hi, thanks so much. Of course. What's your question for Jason and Amanda? Uh, my question is two-part. One is, uh, I'm a musician also, but um, uh, I've been playing for 25 years or so, but really haven't uh, been successful until right around now. I'm in my 40s, have a small child like you all do. And um, so the first part of my question is just, you know, you, you've been playing your whole lives and, and uh, you know, playing out and, and making music actively your whole lives and um so for somebody who's been working at it for a long time but just starting to get their legs i wondered if you had any thoughts and then the second part to my thought is just about um so i'm middle eastern and my music is you probably would call it americana or folk or something like that and um part of why it took me so long to, to get my legs under me is that for so much of my life it was hard to imagine what people would accept from a Middle Easterner as, you know, folk music. And, uh, you know, for tw- and I worked hard for 25 years to figure out how to sort of be authentic and my authentic self, but also to not hold back. So um, I guess... On, Without on, just I, playing I Cat Stevens covers. It's <laughs> 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 a good idea. So, yeah, just uh, I was wondering if you had thoughts about either of those things. Do you, do you ever worry about... Um, you know, being your authentic self in your voice as a singer, as a performer, as a writer, and, uh, you know, worry about whether people will uh, accept you that way. Uh, or maybe you don't, I'm, but I'm curious. Being your authentic self is difficult, and it's something, you know, you have to, you're always going to doubt some part of yourself is going to doubt stuff. But um, I also know that um, for me, I feel like it doesn't matter I mean, it, people will relate to it. They, I mean, there's, it's the human experience. We're all dealing with it. But um, I feel like to make it easier, because it's not easier for women, but like it's not easier. I don't know what it's like to be Middle Eastern, but um, I feel like it's not the easiest place to be a woman right now. And I think um, just to keep on doing it is going to make it easier for my daughter, you know. It's kind of like the uh, the 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 Kennedy thing, you know. Um, I think you go a lot further when you start asking what you can do for your country, you know. And your country might be uh, y- your your ethnicity or your gender, but if you start saying, "Well, maybe if I sing enough folk songs as a Middle Eastern man, somebody else will think that's okay." And I also think folk song, like I feel like songs are the way to the the. Media, medium, media, yeah. uh, like that, that you can move people more easily than just like, because it takes to, to, to look at a painting and be moved, you have to engage or like. Cerebral cortex. Yeah, but you can't close up your ears and not hear something. We you, have you know melody. I, I we have the, explain it. <laughs> we have the, the, the magical golden gift of melody, which hardly any storytellers have. And that means you can say, bum, 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 and, and people people are moved people, yeah. by it. You yeah. don't have to say a damn thing. So when you put real words with a melody, you get to really affect people very quickly. And telling a story is a good way to get anything done, I think. Does it feel in this moment touring across America, for example, 
where you're going to different kinds of communities that have very different political beliefs in this moment of division, does it feel like you're having to walk a certain line while you're performing in terms of how you're perceived or what you're willing to say on stage or or is that not really a concern of yours? I don't – I'm going to let Jason answer that, but I will tell you that going to the gas stations is harder this year than it was two years ago. What do you Because now it's okay to, you know – once again, it's okay to catcall women, you know. Like you notice that. that? Oh, yeah. I mean, my bandmates notice it. They're like, oh, my God, this is a real thing now. It, it legitimizes, um, like, I mean, it make, made that okay again. Yeah, to just be an asshole. And I'm talking about pussy grabbing, yeah. like, like to make it simple. But. For me, the, the, what's bizarre is I thought I knew what people were like. Like, I'd been to every state, you know, and, and uh, Amanda had too. And I grew up in Alabama, for Christ's sakes, you know, in, in a state that didn't even have a major city and really still doesn't. Um, uh, you know, no professional sports teams, just a bunch of backwoods people that I loved and I thought that I knew what was in their hearts. And I thought, eh, even those folks won't won't let this be okay. You know, even those folks who feel disenfranchised and feel uh, put down by the establishment won't listen to a, a bigot and a fool and, and, and think that their experience is the absolute worst that anybody could have and that they're enough cast aside to where they need to put their energy behind this bigot and this fool. Um, so, you know, at this point, I don't care what people expect of me because I thought I knew them. The place I come from is a very very sarcastic place and you know i was in the drive-by truckers and we didn't give a fuck you know and uh, so i don't now you know i don't anymore i mean that you feel I, free yes and i have for a long time if i hadn't if i hadn't been in that band then i might not feel that way i might be trying to trying to make myself a popular country artist and sell millions of records and keep my mouth shut but you know we were a punk rock band and and so i'll say you know whatever whatever i feel i have to say something to muhammad again um i feel like you know americana it's america play your folk songs it's gonna kick ass yeah yeah, I, th I think that's it. You know, yeah. folk music has always carried a banner uh, for what was good about America to me and what was right about America. So it makes perfect sense to me that you would sing folk music. The phone number to call is 800-543-2543. We've got a question over email, and it's the acknowledgement sort of you mentioned moving out of the duplex, you're in a new home. You've had more success since the last time we talked, including financial success. The question from, from Lucy over email is, does it feel like you have mo' money, mo' problems? <laughs> I mean, we don't have, like... The, what was the subject you know? line of that email? <laughs> <laughs> um, I feel like opinions are like Escalades, Lucy. Everybody's got one. Um, no, less problems. Way less problems. Maybe more problems in number, but way less in intensity. Um, you know, more money, more problems. The thing for me is I didn't come from a place of money. I grew up, you know, like not like rural, you know, and also in a trailer for a good bit. And so the thing about money is it's like a – I don't understand it. I don't even believe that that's real. Like I just I, – I buy – I use a – Coupon. I do things the same way I've always done it, and I just don't She'll understand. She'll use a coupon. It. You still use coupons? Oh yeah. I don't yeah. understand um, what it is to not do that, so I just don't even try. 
Yeah, I mean, the, the, that specific concept, Mo Money, Mo Problems, did not come from a white couple living in, you know, Nashville, Tennessee. Um, in, in the situation that, the context of that particular lyric, it was perfect and it described exactly what needed to be described because, you know, if we were, uh, 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 in the same world that, uh, you know, B.I.G. had been in, uh, yeah, things would be different. Money brings its, its problems when you're in that world, I would imagine. I, I try to understand as best I can, but no, no, man. It's, it, you know, for us, it's cool. If, if we've ever got too much, we'll start giving it away. Yeah. Uh, you know, because we know a lot of people that don't have enough of it still, and we still we still hang out with them a lot. And that, that you know, so there's, there's a lot of people that could use the money. So if it ever gets to be too much of a burden, we'll just we'll just pass it on down the line. Let somebody else deal with those problems. I want to go to Bill in Tampa, Florida. Hi, Bill. Is it Tiger Bill? Yeah, Tiger yes. Bill. Hey guys, it's Tiger oh, Bill. Who's Tiger Bill? <laughs> man. He said hey, she up? said Tampa. <laughs> Tiger Bill. Doing? Good. We're doing well, great. I didn't expect to actually be able uh, to talk to you, but uh, hey, here we are. I, I have a real question though. You're thinking of having uh, another uh, a brother or a sister for uh, Mercy? Oh, Bill, going right for it. Ooh, I think about it all day and all night, Bill. Okay, That's I'll all bet, I think I'll about. <laughs> yes, but I also think about having some chickens first. <laughs> oh, cool. Yeah, start with chickens. That's good. <laughs> yeah, I think Mercy would like some chickens. Yes, yeah, she probably oh, would. Oh, there you go. And we're going to go with one last question to finish this hour. This is Lori in Salt Lake City, Utah. Hi, Lori. Welcome to Death, Sex, and Money. Hi, everybody. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, thanks I, for calling I think in. The, I think the question might have been answered somewhat, but um, my question was, is now that your life has changed a bit and the evolution of your relationship has changed, um, or maybe it hasn't, or maybe been influenced by your life experiences, have you noticed that your writing has changed um, both together? Um, you know, for you, Amanda, has your writing changed because of that? Uh, because of your experiences and do you ever write together my writing has changed definitely I, I, I um I think some of it is is from going to Sewanee to um, pursue a degree in a master's in poetry and um some of it is growing and and actually having new experiences and um, some of it is in my older age being able to accept myself more I guess and then when we write together that does happen um we don't set it up we we just try to we just always keep our antennas up and if it happens it happens if it doesn't it doesn't and um I'm happy with that but I do have the room in the house with the printer so when his <laughs> songs or anything he writes comes printed out i see i see it she's, right? got it she's got the evil pencil so i can't print, mean little pencil yeah the mean little pencil i can't print anything out without uh coming out in her office and, uh, <laughs> i love that <laughs> it's you know what though i feel really really fortunate uh to have 
an editor as a songwriter because that never happens. Nobody has that. Nobody, you know, unless you want to give over a lot of A&R control to a big label who's going to have somebody who's never written a song trying to tell you how to write yours. I mean, what I have and what she has is is somebody in the house who does that uh, for a living. And, and now that she's been uh, working so hard on her master's, it's like, uh, you know, she's really great at communicating you know, and helping me finish these songs, helping me get them as tight, you know, as as she says, uh, you know. Uh, Billy, Billy Joe Shaver once told me, said, you, to write a good song, you have to be able to pull a string through it. Yeah. Huh. And, and to really get them all that way and to keep everything consistent, no word out of place, there's no filler, you know, and it feels so good to be able to take criticism. Like, man, that's tough. You get better at it as you go along, you know, but... But if if you've got a lot of people telling you you're a great songwriter, and then and then somebody's saying you could have said that better, ooh, yeah, that'll that'll light you up, you know. Uh, but then when you figure out that that person was right, and you become an even better songwriter than they thought you were in the first place, you start to realize I have something that most people don't have. And it's and, exciting too because of this. We've, you know, you learn how to talk to somebody and to to take criticism and to and to also. Um, be able to give it, give it, you know. Yeah. I think that um, it teaches us things about our relationship the, that aren't just related to songwriting, like the printer thing. Mm-hmm. I'm excited about like my new works coming out and like him feeling like there's less of a screen because I want somebody to do that for me too. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And I'll tell you how I know she loves me is because she will take the pencil uh, to the songs, but it's not a red pen. Oh, that's if kind. It, if it was a red pen, she knows that's a trigger for any of us English majors. And <laughs> if it was a red pen, I would think, well, maybe she doesn't love me all that much, but it's a pencil. Lori, thank you so much for your call. And I, I just have one more question for the both of you. We started this hour by talking about hard times, getting through hard times. You talked about your recovery, Jason. And I just, in this moment now, five years into sobriety, four years into your marriage, about three years since we last talked, when you run into one of those days where it feels like things are off and you feel like you need a little help from somewhere, what what are the concrete things that the both of you do? Usually it has to do with lunch. <laughs> we solve a lot of our problems over lunch. Yeah. It's, a, it's his favorite meal. I do. I'm, I'm, I'm a big lunch person. Um. Yeah, if you'll stop for a second, start the day over. That was something that I learned in rehab that we both have done a lot. You know, why does the day have to start when you wake up? You know, if, if you'll if you'll just just think, okay, I'm gonna start the day right now, so it can be a good day. And uh, we've done that a lot. And I think a lot of times people um, they're really upset for 20 minutes, and they think that's the thing that's ruined their whole day, or it's like oh, made yeah. it terrible. It's 20 minutes. We had all these hours that were great. Hmm. Be where you are. Try and be positive, be present. um, Like uh, Coach Nick Saban of the Alabama Crimson Tide says, be where your feet are. Um, In rehab, they told me, keep your head and your ass in the same place. And gratitude. Uh Yeah, that one's a big deal. Camera one, camera two thing. Yeah, just count the things you're grateful for. And I know it sounds like cliche or something my grandmother would say, but it's um, when you start going through things that you're truly grateful for and saying those things, you know, the, the negative things start kind of, going into the periphery somehow. 
Yeah, that's true. Like startling. Okay, I have shoes. Was on. that the question? You yeah, asked? is that what we're talking about? Was, do we do? I, yeah, I can't, I feel you're like answering I my question. I, well, I feel like lunch is a really key because sometimes it's low blood sugar. Yeah, also, exactly. low blood sugar will do it. <laughs> yeah, it's, that'll ruin your whole day. Mm-hmm. Well, I want to thank you, Jason Isbell and Amanda Shires, for joining Death, Sex, and Money live from Nashville, Tennessee. Thank you for having Next us. Next time, it's two hours. Yes, <laughs> Death, Sex, and Money is a listener-supported production of WNYC Studios in New York. I'm based at the Center for Investigative Reporting in Emeryville, California. But today, I'm at Spotland Productions in Nashville, Tennessee. Thank you for having us, Pam and Ben and Dave. The Death, Sex, and Money team includes Katie Bishop, Chester Jesus Soria, Emily Botin, and Andrew Dunn. Thanks also to Jessica Miller, Delaney Simmons, and Jason Isaac for their help on our first ever live radio call-in on the internet. Nice. Our Woo! intern is Adriana Rush, the Reverend John Delore, and Steve Lewis wrote our theme music. I'm on Twitter at Anna Sale. The show is at Death, Sex, Money. You can find all of Jason and Amanda's music on their websites, amandashires.com and jasonisbell.com. Mine's Amanda Shires Music. Amandashiresmusic.com. That's clutch. Uh, yeah. Thank you for yeah. correcting no us. I'm Anna Sale, and this is Death, Sex, and Money from WNYC. Yay! We were live on the internet. <laughs> Sweet.